Welcome to the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Pluff. Each week, we will cover various topics that dads struggle with in their fitness journey. I'll give you actionable steps that you can apply right away, not only to take back control of your own health, but so you're able to be a better example for your kids too. All right, welcome in to this week's episode of the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. Today we have Mike Crossett on the show. Mike is a trainer in the Washington, D.C. area. Mike and I met um, in February in Dallas at a conference together. Uh, We were both two uh, lonely guys hanging out, waiting for the conference to start. Happened to be sitting next to each other, started talking ended up hanging out all weekend. So it's really cool to have uh, Mike on the show today. I'm going to let him introduce himself and then uh, we'll get started. Hey, I am Mike Crossett. I'm a in-person personal trainer and I actually do a variety of other stuff as well along with that. So I do group classes and semi-private training. And I even do, we have a, a DEXA machine at our gym as well. So we do composition testing as well. But I'm fairly new to the in-person training aspect. I've been going for just a little bit under a year here, but I have an extensive history where I worked with the military for just about seven years for an organization called Army Wellness Center. They're kind of a holistic wellness program that really focuses on all those holistic aspects of health and wellness. So that included like the, the physical aspect, the stress management and sleep aspect, as well as the, the actual physical aspect, um, nutrition as well. So if I missed any of those, um, obviously it's the fully encompassing idea there. So, um, my background in education is I did my bachelor degree of exercise science and I did an applied nutrition degree for my master's degree. I had my certification through the national strength and conditioning association. I had the, the, the strength and conditioning association or strength and conditioning uh, certification through them. So got a lot of a uh, array of things that kind of fold within to my background there. So awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad, glad you're on the show, Mike. Uh, we we've uh, stayed connected over the past few months, been kind of talking back and forth. So um, I reached out to Mike uh, wanting kind of to get his perspective on some things because for my, for my own business now, uh, the majority of it is online. Um, and so obviously I've trained in person and still have a few clients, but uh, there, there are people who will never hire an online coach. And there are people who uh, strictly um, don't want to work in person. They want to work online. So there's kind of different populations of people. And sometimes sometimes it's easier to hire an online coach, as we were talking about earlier, because you, know, you never have to meet them. Some people um, going to the gym can be, you know, it, it can be kind of a nerve wracking experience, especially if it's something you haven't done before. And so you can hire um, pretty much anybody you want online. Now you can hire a financial advisor, you know, you can hire all these people. And that goes with nutrition and fitness coaching too. And so uh, today, uh, Mike and I are going to be kind of talking about a little bit about kind of what, what are some things like when you when you first come into the gym for somebody who wants an in-person trainer or somebody who uh, maybe wants to hire an online coach down the road, but right now they have no experience with exercise. And so when they come to meet you, Mike, I know you have, um, obviously, like you just mentioned there, you've, uh, um, you've worked with lots of different populations, right? And so you, you can definitely speak to this. Um, But when a client comes to you, when a client comes to you and they have, you know, the, 
obviously they're coming to the gym, whether they say it or not, they're probably a little nervous, right? What, what are some things you try and do to try and acclimate them to the gym to make them feel comfortable? So one of the, the benefits of our space, the, the gym I work at, Biomass Gym, um, it's a small gym. It's a boutique style gym. So there is a lot more like small kind of personal environment compared to say, maybe compare me to the average person working out of a big box gym that can be really like intimidating, right? So there's tons of people all over the place. There's tons of really big dudes, tons of big women that can lift a ton of weight, right? So one of the things I like to do is just start with the start with the basics, get to know the person a little bit. Um, probably that aspect is quite similar with say the online uh, online trainer, right? Like yeah. it's all about the the relationship there. If you can't build that relationship, uh, what's the likelihood we're going to be able to actually move you forward, right? You're not going to want to come and talk to me, and you're not going to want to come and train with me, right? Exactly. So I would be curious to to also hear your your flip side. You said you did work with some people in person a while back. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I started, so I started, uh, trading in 2015, 2016. Uh, so did, did, uh, I didn't start transitioning to online until about 2018, really didn't start taking off the ground until 2020. So, I mean, still relatively, relatively pretty new. So the majority of my training experience has been in person. I, I think, I think you nailed it there. It's like, you, you got to enjoy the person you work with, right? It goes, it goes both ways. Like I, I've had a few clients now who I've worked with for you know three plus years and I had other clients who they just kind of stuck around for a few months, right? There's yeah. some who like, there's some clients who I worked with like seven years ago, we still talk, you know, that like that, that's awesome because you're, you're building that relationship. But it, I mean, it, it's, it's really just like anything, you know, you're going to the doctor, you want to go to a doctor you're comfortable with, right? You go to a dentist, you're going to go to a dentist. You like, same thing goes with a trainer. And I, I, you know, I always tell people, uh, you know, when I'm signing up a new client or I'm starting to work with somebody is like, you know, I, I'm not for everybody. Like, and that, that's okay. Like that's, that's okay. Like I, I want to be able to mesh. Like if I don't feel like, you know, it's a good fit. If I don't feel like, you know, I'm going to be the one to help you get to where you want to go. Like I know tons of people, right. I, I can, I can refer you out to somebody, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, I think building that relationship, I think, um, you know, when, when a client first comes to the gym, like the number one thing to do is like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how much, you know, um, about exercise if they don't like being there with you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, like I often will shoot people. I think I actually stole this from, um, I'm trying to remember his name from <laughs> the guy from raised the bar. And I'm sure it's probably a little bit Jonathan Goodman too. Whereas like, yeah, you, you start that off before you even meet them. I shoot them emails, asking them about themselves. Like, have right. you, uh, have you trained with somebody before? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Are there exercises that you like and want to include? Yeah. Are there ones you don't want to include? Um, what was your last experience like in the gym? Or what's your, your past history like? Do you have a good background of movement? Did you play sports earlier in life? Like mm -hmm. that tells us a lot of things to then kind of get you going on. Where is your starting point? Because again, like there's many people on a spectrum, right? So your person that's done sports their whole life, they're really good. They know how their body moves. It's going to be much different than that person that, man, they've never done sports. They've never even like gone to the gym, like yeah. huge difference there. So 
Yeah. Do you, do you have a do you have a specific client in mind that you enjoy working the most with? Yeah, I mean, I actually have a couple, and again, I think it it already goes back to what we already touched on as our first point there of like the relationship. It's like it just naturally, almost like when we met each other, right? So our, our first conversation was just fluid. It was an easy conversation. It didn't feel labored. Um, that's the kind of people I like to yeah. to train the most because, yeah, it's almost like it almost feels like it's somebody you are your friends with in a sense where it's somebody you can conversate with. It's somebody you uh, feel like you have some common ground with, whether it be interests or uh, you think in the same lines for like what you think is funny or humorous or something like yeah. that. So, <laughs> I mean, it, I think those are important things and things that I've noticed at least with the people I've jived with and messed with the best as I've, as I've started to work with different people, I don't have like a, a special population I work with yet. Um, yep. It's kind of a, a mix of everyone. So I've worked with men, I've worked with women. Um, I've worked with military people. I've worked with spouses of military people that again, nice. even that accolade is much different. So not accolade, uh, that population I should say yeah. is different because like a lot of the times, when you have a, a military person, they're somebody that they might be working like 12 to 16 hour days, barely even see their spouse that much. And then they get shipped overseas and they're gone for six months at a time. And their their spouse is then just kind of left to their own devices and has yeah. totally different life there, right? So lots of different uh, aspects that can play and lots of variables that can play into the overall idea of what makes a good kind of coach and client relationship, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I know, I know we briefly have talked about this before, but like I I've worked, I, I live in a military town. Um, and so like people, people come in and go all the time. I have a, well, one of my clients right now I've worked for the past few years. Uh, now uh, they're, they're in the reserves now, but they were active when, when I started and then I've, I've mm -hmm. trained people for the military. And so like, but with all those people, like, Typically, a client who's asking for training or reaching out for coaching or something is probably coachable, right? You know, and yeah, so I, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like we um, th there's not a lot of people who just aren't willing to listen. Like, like that's a big step for a lot of people to admit. Like, I don't know everything. I need help. And so, um, obviously, if there you do have clients, I'm sure you've had a client or probably will in the future that you know you guys just don't mesh well. Not because like what you're saying is wrong or what they're doing is wrong or something, but they're not necessarily receptive. Right. And so that, that's always one thing. That's one, always one thing I always ask clients before I start working with them is like, you know, like, are, are you, are you coachable? Like, are you willing to, to learn? Because how I do something, how I do something, um, it's probably different than like how you do it. Right. Uh, I, I started working with a client about a month ago now and they had had a trainer for four years they'd had a trainer for four years. And then uh, I, I'm not sure all the details as to why uh, they decided to look for something else, but like I do stuff completely differently. I do stuff, mm. but they've been super coachable, very open to feedback and things like that. And so it's been really great to work with, but there's also other situations too, where you talked about like former athletes, right? Mm. They may come in with this mindset, like I know more than this guy. 
right? Mm-hmm. This guy's only been in the industry for this long, but I've been weightlifting since I was 15 years, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I found, you know, like I, I enjoy working with beginners, you know, people who have limited experience. It's just fun for me. I, I like, I like the teaching aspect of it. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. like, I like the, and like, it doesn't, it doesn't get old to me. Like I, yeah. I teach the same concepts over and over and over again, and it just doesn't, it doesn't get old to me. But when you, when you have clients who, uh, like say you had a client come in and they're, you're, they're like, Hey, I really want to do like, I saw this workout. It's this really high intensity workout. You know, I, I, I feel really sweaty when I'm done. My body's sore. I feel like I got a great workout in, uh, mm-hmm. how, how do you kind of work with them? How do you coach with them to kind of let them know? Like, although the, these workouts are great when mu- like, l- let's, sorry, I, I left out a part there. Let's say their goal is muscle building. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, 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 what is that kind of conversation look like with them? How do you kind of like help them understand, like, although this workout is great, it might not be best for your intended purpose. Yeah. So obviously you've got to get a little bit into the, the science and how things work with the body there. So there's obviously your, your more aerobic aspects that are like your cardio and higher intensity, higher heart rate things. And then you've got your more strength-based stuff that is more resistance-based. So using weights or calisthenics, barbells, dumbbells, uh, kettlebells, resistance bands. Um, They're just different things. So I like to go from it again. My last role was, I was a health educator is what they called me, even though I kind of touched on all of them. All of those aspects that we, we kind of work with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's all it's all health. Yeah, but yeah. the education aspect is something I really enjoy. Um, I I really have an easy time holding my attention when I'm learning something new. Um, it just always piques my interest. And so the mechanisms behind why something does this or that or the other thing is a big part of what I try to teach people. So again, I know I had when we initially started and uh, touched base for doing this, I had mentioned like muscular endurance as one yeah. potential idea or that other like fancy term neurological adaptation. So those are right. two things that more push towards the strength training realm, right? So yeah, yeah. muscular endurance is a fancy exercise term that just really means building your, your ability to kind of do strength training Right. Uh, for a longer period of time, right? So more more work capacity. Mm-hmm. We could probably also relate that to, say, cardio in the respect of you're not using weights, but you're doing an activity for longer, right? So going for longer runs or able to run more consistently for more minutes. So there's there's that bridge. They do different things, though, based on what uh, what you're focusing on. Resistance training, obviously, then is more kind of in line with building muscle mass, right? Versus your cardio, it's not to say you can't build some, it's just not the most effective way to then say build muscle mass, right? Yeah. So again, to to reference and kind of reiterate all the, the smart things I know from people that I, I listen to and follow, a big component between muscle building and, and moving that muscle mass up Obviously, there's nutrition components, but it's the resistance against your muscles, so the tension against your muscles and uh, doing those exercises 
repetitively over time and continuing to have that stimulus on the muscle, right? So that would be kind of the, the way I would try to break it down. Um, just kind of explaining the difference there of like, if we're trying to build muscle mass, we need to sit in this kind of realm. If we're trying to build the cardio aspect there, that's in this other realm. And it's a spectrum. Obviously we've got cardio to strength and they're competing interests in some sense, not always, but yeah. obviously if you're only doing cardio or 90% of your workouts are cardio, you're not going to expect to build a, a ton of muscle mass. Right. If you're only doing strength training and lifting really, really heavy, like a power lifter or a strong man, it's unlikely that you're going to get that, uh, that cardio improvement drastically up. I give the spectrum of the, I always like that. That's the one I, I used, um, especially in my old job when people would ask that question specifically is like, look at your best, uh, strength athletes. So your power lifters and your say strongman competitors, there's a very specific way they look right now. Go look at that ultra marathon runner on the other side, drastic difference there, right? Have you ever seen a top competitor for strongman running an ultra marathon? No. So you've got a wide spectrum in between that, but that kind of gives a, a good visual behind like why one would train one thing and the other would train another thing. Yeah. What, what yeah, are your no, thoughts on that? Do you have any, any, yeah, input no, other than I, that? I think you nailed it there. Uh, I, th yeah. I think that was a great, great explanation there. You know, I, I like the example there, you know, the power lift, the ultra marathon runner. Um, I um, always thought like when I, when I was training, I was like, I, I got really big into weightlifting. I think probably, probably around college and stuff. So I was just trying to get big and strong as so I can't, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. yeah, like you said though, like typically the guys who are, you know, I, I've got some friends who are really big into power lifting you know, they're, they're not really great at cardio, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they go, you, they go run a block, they're winded, right? And then you get the people who run can run for, you know, hours on end, but they haven't touched a weight since, you know, ever, right? And so there's like, a, there's a happy medium there. And I, I always kind of like look at it like, uh, for like the average person, I think of it more of like training them like, uh, if you're comparing it to an athlete here, um, look at, look, comparing it more to like a basketball player right uh, a, a basketball player's got to be strong they've got to have endurance they've got to have speed they've got to have mobility they've got to be agile they got to be flexible you know all these things and stuff and so like i think like there's room for all of that right like and it, it is hard it is hard because um if you're if you're not meeting with a client seven days a week, six to, you know, if you're only meeting them with them one or two, possibly three, days, mm -hmm. how do you fit all this in? Right. And so I think that that's exactly like what you were saying there. It's important for trainers. It's important for coaches to educate them. Right. And like, I, I, I always tell, I always tell clients like the very first time I meet them, I was like, we're not going to work together forever. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so like my goal is to teach you as much as possible in a short amount of time that you can implement right away, right? I'd love mm -hmm. to work with you forever, but I've been doing this long enough to realize there's a point, <laughs> you know, there's a point where, you know, they're, they're gonna graduate, they're gonna, they're gonna move away, they're gonna do something where they're no longer yeah. gonna be there. I, I had a client, uh, he, uh, this would have been 20, I think 2016, 2017, uh, never, never touched a weight in his life. And um, we started working out, uh, he loved it. 
we met two or three times a week. And then one day he came to me and he said, I think I'm ready to do it on my own. And I was like, I was like really sad. You know, I was like, you know, I was like, this is, I love this guy. We, we still hung out. We still uh, went and grabbed lunch and stuff like that. He, he lives local. So I got to see him and stuff, but he, he's since moved away f- since then. But uh, I was like, man, like that's, that's really cool. Because like when he first started, like that was his goal. He wanted to learn mm-hmm. what to do so he could go do it on his own. And then I would run into him at the gym and stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a cool relationship. I think, you know, uh, I, I think um, you get to know clients really well. Um, you get to, uh, you know, depending on, know your client base i know like you uh you may have a pretty um kind of a revolving door of client you know we're considering the client base you work with and stuff um and so it could be could be kind of hard but a lot of times clients share with you things like they don't tell anybody else right like it's a very intimate very intimate setting and stuff and so although like kind of circling back to what we talked about at the beginning a lot of it you know has to do with like they want to come in they want to get in shape and stuff but they're going to stay because of that relationship you build, yeah. right? It's like yeah. most of them, like if you asked them all these things um, that you taught them, they, they, they may know some of it, you know what I mean? It's like, but they don't yeah. really care if they know it because they got you, right? You know, they can, they can yeah. just ask you questions and stuff. And so, you know, with that, with that being said, like there's, you know, an abundance of resources online, right? You can go online, you can go and you can find anything, um, and I, I know for me, my clients ask me, I was like, well, I saw this the other day and I thought about trying this or the, how, how do you kind of, how do you educate it? Cause it is hard, you know, like you, we have all these things. Well, like, obviously we've always had Google, you can find everything, but now we have like chat GPT and all these things where it's like, you ask a question, it'll create a whole thing for you and stuff. So how, how do you, what, what do you do to kind of, um, clear out the nonsense, I guess, and just focus on what's, you know, just kind of actually working and what's kind of worth, like, not, not even giving a try to. Yeah, the, obviously, again, that's, that's the age we've come into, right, is uh, information overload. So there's too much information now. And with that comes confusion. So Uh as you said, I think with uh, one of your prior, uh, prior podcast guests, it's like, everyone on the internet that has a profile can pretty much have their own opinion out there. And who's to say that theirs is a good or a bad opinion, right? So that's where we come in and we can help people sort through that stuff. So my favorite way to do that, and I'm sure you see it on my social media all the time, and I'll eventually get more of my own specific content out there is I like pointing people uh, in the direction of other smart people too, like people that I look up to, people I know give out good information. Yeah. Um, I still have plenty of good information I can provide myself. And again, even if I point people to other people, who's who's going to be the person people trust the most, the one that you work with in, in person or right. face-to-face or uh, online and have a direct relationship with, right? So yeah. they're going to trust whoever they know the best. So generally they're going to come to you and you can kind of sort through it based on what you know. Again, not to say that we know everything, but again, yeah. we should be able to, to kind of cater to knowing what we know really well and what we might need to pass somebody along to, uh, with somebody that has more in-depth knowledge than we do. Yeah. Um, but again, I usually often use established resources like, 
I love Precision Nutrition. They're, they're a great resource that puts out really great information. There's plenty of other individual organizations like uh, ACSM, which is the American College of Sports Medicine. We've got, uh, again, the certification company that I use, National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, i trying to think who else. I'm sure there's plenty of other great resources out there too. Yeah. But again, I, I try to go for ones that are going to put information clearly in more digestible manners for people that um, might struggle with it. And again, I, I focus on this kind of the small things. So again, the more broad you get with things, the more there's lack of nuance and there's never a, a black or white answer when it comes to nutrition or fitness or health. And that's, that's an important thing to take away if nothing else. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I and I think I'm um, like, our clients look to us like we have all the answers, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we know very well we don't, and so yeah, um, yeah. like I, yeah. I, I think I think Never like, know just all. like yeah, like and I think like you said there, you know, like you know, great coaches are going to refer out, right? We we only have we only have so much knowledge, and like uh, I I do my best to always like when a client doesn't know, like when I they ask me something I don't know, and I'll I'll tell them instead of making something up, you know. And I'm sure I've done that before just to kind of, you know, save face and not, not, not look like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, as I've gotten older, you know, as you know, like, I think, I think it's, I think it's important for your clients to know, like, you don't know everything, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm learning, I'm learning this stuff too. Um, and cause like it, it can be confusing, like even, even for coaches, even for people who are in the industry, like I still wonder sometimes, like, am I doing the best workout for me? You know what I mean? It's like, is there anything to, you know, specific foods for body? You know what I mean? I was like, you, uh -huh. you always kind of want, you kind of, I mean, obviously like, um, talk talk yourself down talk clients down from some of these things and stuff but it's like you're wondering you know what i mean because like think about like even just like 30 years ago all this stuff we know now you know what i mean yeah. it's just it like just it's cycles a, too. exactly and it's like and, it, and it's a completely different world and we have we have all these all this data we have all this all these tests and stuff and i was like it would be really cool it would be cool to do a test where it's like eat these foods these are best for you you know what i mean it's like that would be that would be awesome if you could do something like that but it's like a lot of times we make it super complicated right yeah like the, we, we the make less it... complicated we can make it the better because again we we, we as coaches know that the the simple things work and they're not sexy but yeah those are the things you really need to focus on first. And then exactly. if those are not lining up to, to getting you where you need to go. Then you can move on yeah. from there. Like, again, I, I know people that have really bad digestive stomach issues. Like they might be an exception to the rule, right? So uh -huh. they might have to avoid some carbohydrates that really like tend to, to affect their, their gut in different ways than maybe you and me, because we have a normal, like working, intestinal tract right so there's always exceptions to the rule and there's always nuance it's not black and white so it sadly often will come down to a little bit of trial and error and i think knowing that can be a freeing thing to to kind of working your path forward and it's again yeah it might be the next person that comes along like they just get lucky and the first thing they try works really well for them yeah and then they shout it from the rooftop, right? Exactly. Oh, this is the <laughs> one. Become evangelist. <laughs> <the Yeah>. one. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean the next person could do the exact same thing 
I'm gonna have the exact same result. Like that's right. that's just not how it works. But right. obviously, the bigger topics, uh, such as like again, focusing on what has more calories, what has less calories when it comes to nutrition, what has more nutrients, what has less nutrients when it comes to nutrition, what has more protein for the calories in nutrition, um, and then going over to the, the the exercise component, right? So what gets you moving on a regular basis right. and you don't mind doing it as much, whether it be walking, running, cycling, swimming, whatever for strength training, what exercises you actually like to do. Maybe it's the, the bigger ones like barbell movements. Maybe it's, you feel a lot better when you do your dumbbell movements or kettlebell movements. Um, that's, that's the way I always encourage people to think about it because again, it all comes back to what we already touched on, which was, what do you what do you enjoy doing more than the other things? If you can yeah. find those and do them consistently, that's that's the end all be all magic pill that everyone looks for. Yeah. Rather than those shortcuts. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I, so I, well, one thing one thing that it always has, um, kind of like what we were talking about there with like you know we we don't know all the answers right, mm-hmm. but. Our, our, our clients come to us, our clients come to us asking us for the answers and they expect to get something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was in college, I had an advisor um, and I, we were talking about, this is like my first year at the university or something and I'm talking about classes for next semester or something like this and um, trying to figure out my schedule and his response to me was, he's like, well, you know, it's really up to you. You know, this is your life. It's your call. And I was like, well, that is probably the least helpful. <laughs> like, like, why, why am I in this meeting? You know what I mean? He was like, um, and like, I, I understand what he was saying, you know, and I appreciate that he said that, you know, because he wasn't like, you need to do this, you need to do that. But I was, I, I was, I was looking for guidance, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Aaron Horsch, Dr. Aaron Horschig, uh, Squat University. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so a lot of uh, I've actually uh, gotten to meet him twice, which has been pretty cool. But I he is the like world's most likable guy. But uh, I I know like if you watch his content, a lot of times his answer is it depends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like I I think that I think that's really um, I think it's really important to have that answer, right? Because there's no one size fix all. Right. For some people, they're going to get better squat depth if their feet are turned out a little bit. Right. Because they don't have that hip mobility. You know what I mean? And so they, they, they don't have that ankle mobility or something's going on there upstream, downstream that's causing them not to do it. For other people, they may have to turn their foot in a little bit. Right. And so it's like to tell everybody you need to do this to do a squat. And so that's where that kind of comes from. But I know for me personally, like if I ask somebody a question and they tell me like, it depends or, uh, you know, like, well, you know, in certain cases, you know what I mean? Talking in generalities, it's more, it can be really frustrating. Like, like I've had like business coaches I've worked with and like, I'm looking for guidance. I'm looking for something, something I can implement, something I can do. Even if it's not the best thing right away, like for me personally, I like to just put things in to act, you know what I mean? Sometimes like, sometimes it's nice to just be told this is what you should do. And so with all that being said, when a client, when a client comes to you and they ask you, they got, maybe they ask you a question about nutrition or it could be weightlifting or something like that. Obviously, like we just talked about, you know, there's no one size fits all, 
but how do you how do you balance between helping them understand that you know in certain cases this is the correct way but also giving them something they can actually do right yeah i again i always try to touch on the most important aspects is like again if we're talking diet would be again looking at calories looking at protein intake um looking at nutrient density so that being a fancy way of saying like how many nutrients are you getting for the amount of calories um and then going from there like i like to to give i like to ask like questions like probing questions to be like okay so what do you like to eat why um what are things that you normally include in your regular your dietary intakes or whatever because again that's going to shape a big part of are they going to be able to be successful with keeping this consistent moving forward or not because again the thing that bothers me the most is when say somebody is like okay i just need a diet diet plan just tell me what to eat and uh we'll go from there but then you're dependent on said diet plan right like what if you don't like half of those things yeah <laughs> what are you going to do then like you you pretty much are already kind of screwed at that point because there's nothing tied to your own personal preferences related there uh-huh. i say the same thing when it comes to like the the exercise aspects so to give a, a specific example, I remember it was multiple times, again, when I was working with military clients, there'd be people that were pretty big guys that were like, all right, I've gained like 50, 60 pounds over the last year and a half because I've been immobile. I got injured. My doctor told me not to do anything while this injury heals and whatnot. Uh-huh. And they said, and they were kind of going to that mindset of, all right, so let's just go and start running again. It's like, I wouldn't recommend that because like you're 60 pounds heavier than you were when you were doing that previously. So let's think outside the box there. And again, probably it's going to be miserable to try to run with an added 60 pounds on your body. So I always encourage people to think again, like they might not even like running in the first place. What are some other options that would accomplish the same goal? So again, as I, kind of listed off. I like encouraging people to think for some of those uh, lower impact exercises. So you've got like the elliptical, you've got swimming, you've got stepping, you've got rowing, you've got cycling. So those would all accomplish the same exact thing. Obviously, maybe not quite as high of an intensity activity as running, but again, it's still like a bridge to get you back to where you're trying to go. And I think is kind of a smarter way of looking at it. So that that is kind of the way I try to address things when it comes to that. Um, just because, again, I think having having options becomes, while well, obviously it makes it more decision fatigue in a sense for some people. But again, yeah. there's different people. Some people like having those choices. Some people don't. Again, it still comes back to that initial idea of, say, what are the things you actually don't mind doing? I think, I think it was Jordan Syatt that I'm referencing here. That was like, when he would talk to clients, he would literally ask, he'd be like, all right, what is the thing you hate doing the least? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, 
again, even if you hate all forms of exercise, it's like, okay, what is the one you can actually get yourself to do at least somewhat consistently right. so that you're, you're not like feeling 100% miserable the entire time you're doing it, like, or even pair it with something else. So, um, I forget what the actual term is, the psychological term, but it's like, oh, I, I do remember it's called like distraction bundling where say you've got to get your cardio in, you don't want to do it, but man, I really like listening to this podcast about so-and-so and whatnot. Yeah. So you pair those things together and it makes it a little less miserable, makes it more doable because yeah. you actually get a little bit of something you want to do while you're doing something you might not want to. I do that with laundry myself. So I watch, <laughs> I watch Netflix while I fold my laundry because otherwise it's impossible to get myself yeah. to do. Take three weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll fold like two socks at a time and be like, all right, that's yeah. enough for today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you find yourself doing anything like that too? I feel like that's a really, uh, really good strategy that I try to use constantly. Yeah. So I, uh, um, I've been doing that a lot of times with like my cardio, like I've always, um, so when, when I first, when I first started probably like middle school, I really got into plyometrics. Okay. Um, and so I was, I was doing plyometrics a ton. Like I was always like one of the smallest guys. Uh, I'm not a very big guy now. And I was always obviously one of the smallest on my team and stuff, but I was like, you know, like what can I do to improve my jumping ability? Right. And I was like, kind of give me an edge. Right. And so I started doing plyometrics and through doing like, I did probably way more volume than you should ever do. Uh, <laughs> but, okay. but my, my cardio was fantastic. I had never been somebody who was great at like running long distance. I was pretty good at sprinting when I was younger, but doing all these plyometrics, I became like really good <laughs> at yeah, sprinting but... and stuff, but it, but it helped, it helps my cardio. Like how many seventh grade kids are doing plyometrics at home on their own, right? <laughs> Probably you know I mean? not many. Probably not many, right? I, I found, I found a, um, just some program online and I ordered it, you know, I had to have my parents help me. I used my money to buy it and stuff. And, um, and so like, uh, just a byproduct of that, my like conditioning was like through the roof. It was like the best shape um, I'd ever been in and stuff. And so it was just like, like my recovery was so good too and stuff, but like back to, you know, my, my natural state, I guess, like for my wife, like she could just go, like she, um, uh, you know, between like all the kids, she hasn't really like run much. Right. Mm -hmm. But she could literally go right now. Like she went a few weeks, first time she had ran again since our daughter was born. And she went like three miles, she just like went and ran like three miles. And it was just like, I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm exhausted if I go run three miles. So I'm like, actually training for you know and it's like right. and so it's like some people are just like you know kind of have like you obviously have certain abilities and stuff and so for me that's an area like i would like to improve right i would like to improve my cardio and so uh i uh, got a treadmill out in the garage and i put the tablet up there and i watch a netflix show or hulu whatever it is um and it's like 22 minutes or something and that's about as long as my cardio workout is and stuff. And I do my, mm -hmm. my run on there. I'll do intervals and stuff like this. And so like, for me, it's like, sometimes it's like not super enjoyable, but I know like I'm watching a show, I'm distracted. Right. Um, my, my treadmill literally faces the door. So if I'm not, if I'm listening to music while I'm on the treadmill, I'm just literally staring at the door the entire time. So it's like, it, it, it gives me something to focus on, takes my mind off it. And I find like, I actually look forward to it, you know? Yeah. And so I think, uh, it, yeah, I think, you know, that, that's a great, 
That's a great uh, point you brought up. And I, I think that's really good too about, you know, like new client, you know, like, uh, I, like I have clients who, that I meet with in person, that the only time they work out is when they're with me. Right. <laughs> and it's like, because like, kind of like what you said there, like they're not really wanting to do it. They're not, but they found what works for them. Right. They found that if I'm there with coach Mike, you know, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, my workout and I, they found if you know i listen to this podcast or this audiobook while i'm going for a jog outside i'm much more likely to do it and stuff and so yeah i think uh i think it's uh james clear calls it habit stacking mm-hmm. or uh it might have been from him that term temptation yeah. i'm pretty sure yeah. that's correct yeah no it might and then there's also uh i don't i don't know if you're familiar with bj fogg I've heard of him. I'm not as as familiar with him as uh, James Clear, though. Okay, yeah, he's got a book called Tiny Habits, uh, which I actually think is fantastic. It's it's a mm-hmm. great it's a great book. I think I haven't finished it yet, to be honest, but I think I like it better than Atomic Habits. But oh yeah, uh, and uh, I, I will I will uh, edit this comment out of the show if I once I finish it and if I'm wrong. But no, it's a <laughs> it's a it, no, it's, it's a pretty good book too. They're both they're both um, pretty good resources. But yeah, and they both think, get at like what is really important, right? Which is like right. we are just a culmination of the habits that we get into. So like yeah. that's literally what we do for our job is helping people create better and new habits. Yeah. Like that is where, where the magic happens. Because again, mm-hmm. a lot of people come from a childhood where maybe their parents didn't set the best example for them. You know, that's a yeah. good point for you to hit on after here, but you, you learn a lot of those habits from your parents. So if you had bad examples growing up, you probably had a lot of bad habits that you picked up throughout your childhood. It's not to say people have bad parents or anything like that. It's just sometimes there's a, uh, some, some poor habits we pick up through uh, being in, in contact with them quite frequently. So again, with you focusing on uh, fathers and fatherhood for a lot of your clients, like that's, that's a point I always like to hit on is like, who is the main person that is the uh, either good or bad example? It's your parents. They, they create so yeah. many, things that you don't even realize in your subconscious they either help or hurt you over time yeah yeah and I, no i think um so so one thing um they always talk about like you're that you're the average of the the, the the five people you spend the most time with but when you're thinking about like the five people you spend time with a lot of people leave out their parents mm-hmm. right um and like that's two people right there you know that's that's 40% of those yeah. five people. Right. And it's like, and so like that, that, that is, that's huge. And, um, I, I live a couple hours away from my parents and we see them fairly regularly. Um, but I've noticed myself, like a lot of, like if I, if I go stay, if we go into town and stay the weekend with my parents, I kind of fall into some of these habits, like snack. Like I, I, I don't snack a ton at home. Like mm-hmm. that's not something I do. Um, it like, um, I, like, obviously I snack, I, I love snacking, but like that my food choices change 
yeah. when I'm at my parents' house. Like I, it's like I literally like fall into these habits. I like I'll find myself like late at night just like opening the fridge and stuff at their house, and like the cat. And it's like it's so strange because like I I don't like I'm not even hungry, but like uh-huh. that's what I did when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I was like, and it's it's just like really strange. Like you fall into these. You think like like habits like. I know there's tons of science on it, but I'm not sure habits ever fully go away. Like maybe they do, maybe they do, but like I, I, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. And so that, I think, I think we can use that to our advantage though. Right. We can like, cause we can create these habits that, you know, we're, we're, that are almost going to replace them or just that, that get put, you know, higher priority in front of them right and so like for for one of them for me i know that like obviously like exercise is important sleep is important but getting up at the same time every day has been something that has been and i i I, i've it's it took a long time to get there but seven days a week i get up at the same time um and to me uh probably going back to james clear here um but a keystone habit you know, this, this is one of the ones that kind of sets everything up for me too. Right. Because I know like if I can have, get what I need done in the morning, you know, it's kind of like my, I call my bookends. Like I got my morning, I'm still working on that nighttime routine. <laughs> like my, my night, n- none of my nights look the same, mm-hmm. but my you morning kids, is always, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, and I, I can't even blame them. I can't blame them. It's no, just, okay. so, so, sometimes, you know, I, I try and like read a book and stuff. But t- to be honest, like for me, sometimes reading a book makes me like more like alert at night than like watching yeah. a show. Sometimes just watching a yeah. show, I just like zone out and I'm ready for bed. You yeah. Know? Again, so it's like, that's why you got to you got to personalize. You can't say, right. oh, this is my routine. You do my routine. You got to find what works for you. Exactly. Like, for, for me, it's I am uh, making my protein shake for the next morning. Mm-hmm. I am setting up the coffee machine, and that's yep. the most consistent part. Yeah. I usually will uh, – I like having a – obviously, it doesn't work for everyone, but I have a, a glass of milk right before I go to bed too just as some last last hit of protein there. there so that's, that's generally my routine. I try to hit the bed mostly within the same hour each night. Yeah, my my bedtime routine seems to be a little better than my morning routine just because I have varied times that I work at in the morning since I'm in right. person. Um, but yeah, if I was doing online, I think I would probably have a little better uh, a little better morning routine. I used yeah. to have a really good one when I was working with the military because I had to be there at seven a.m. every day, so yeah, yeah. I had to drive an hour. So it does make a difference. Yeah, and and just like we said there, like my my morning routine is pretty set in stone right now. Um, but my evening routine, it's been hard, very hard to create a new one. Right. And you got to be really intentional about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you know, there's all these research or how long it takes to make a habit, form a habit, all these things and stuff. But a lot of it is just, you know, it, it's probably going to take longer, <laughs> longer right. than you would like. It's going to take longer Absolutely. than three weeks. Probably it's going to take longer than a couple months. I was like, if you've been doing something your whole life. It's going to make it much harder. It's going to, if you've never worked out before and you're wanting to go to the gym, it's probably going to take longer than a month to get into a routine, right? Yeah. But I'm going to put on my coaching hat for a second here and I'm going to ask you, so what does, if you were to think about it, 
obviously again it's off the top of your head it doesn't have to be like what would actually end up being the perfect routine what would you say off the top of your head would be your your perfect nighttime routine if you could choose right now yeah yeah um so I, i've played around with this a lot i played around with it so i so i'm up at 5 30 every day 5 30 mm-hmm. is when i go to, um obviously eight the kids hours out of the bed i would assume right say that again that's to beat the kids out of the bed, I would assume. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that's so five thirty every day. Uh, my my kids are up pretty early. Yeah. Usually get them up about between six forty five and seven, and so that gives me an hour each morning by mm-hmm. myself. And so that I found that works really well for me. Um, so up at five thirty. So ideally, like eight hours of sleep. I've kind of come to the conclusion, like right now. I'm probably not going to get eight hours. So I shoot, I shoot for seven. I shoot for seven. And so, um, ideally what that would mean is, yeah, but I, I, I get about, I don't know, between six, six and a half, most nights, six forty-five. If I'm like, I got seven one time a couple weeks ago, felt fantastic. So I was like, that's my goal. My goal is to be in bed by 10. But you don't give up immediately when you're, when you're not getting that seven, right? It's not just, ah, let's just cut it all out. Don't even try. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. So you know, it's something something I'm intentional with. I, I try, I try to be in bed by ten. Um, usually, it's closer to ten thirty. Um, usually, it's closer to ten thirty. Um, and so, like that, that gives me. That's where I kind of end up with a six and a half, six forty-five. I mm-hmm. like to be in there by ten, so that way I'm asleep by ten thirty. Can get that, mm-hmm. but I typically wake up a couple times. You know, so it's like ideally, if I could, you know. Uh, once the kids are in bed, spending some time with my wife, you know, maybe we're watching a show or something, doing what we're doing. And then ideally would like to like read, do something like that before bed. But like I said, reading sometimes just like sparks my mind. Like I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Right. And so I yeah, found same, like, same. yeah, yeah. And so I found like, um, if I, uh, if I'm watching like, like friends or something, you know, something I've seen a hundred times. Right. I don't think exactly. about it. I, I, I don't yeah. go to bed. Like once I go to bed, I'm not thinking like, man, Joey and Rachel, you know, like all these, things. it's exactly. like, you already know I, it's something I, the way I think of it is it's like, it's something you don't care if you fall yeah. asleep to, or it's not like you're watching a new movie that you've wanted to watch for six, yeah. six months again. And we can both probably admit this is obviously against the grain. You're not supposed to have a TV in your, your bedroom yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Right. So, or, Obviously, again, if you're watching them out in the, the living room, but again, different things work for different people. So it's right. not to, to generalize here, but it's not to say that this would be the perfect way for everyone else too. but it, yeah. it works for me too. Mine is Bob's Burgers. I fall asleep <laughs> that a thousand times. And it's one of those things. It's almost like my brain is cued to fall asleep because Bob's Burgers is on. So. Right, right. I'm, uh, I'm not no, watching the TV either. I'm just yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, kind of hanging out. If I could turn out, the, yeah. the actual screen off, I would. Yeah. And just listen to the sound. Maybe there's a way to do that that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but no. yeah, like, like, but like you said that. So I, I don't have, I don't have a TV. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I don't have a TV in my room, and I leave my phone outside the room. That's smart. Uh, and so I, I used to have a real problem with that. Like I'd get in bed. And then I'd start looking at Instagram or start scrolling to a message or start scrolling. And then I'm just like, I could be there for like an hour. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah. well, I always leave it out in the living room now for two reasons. One, because, 
that way I'm never tempted. And I, I don't think I've brought my phone in the bedroom and I don't know, very long time, which that, that I'm very proud of myself for that. Cause that used to be a real issue. Number yeah. two is I set my, so I have my alarm on my watch. All our rooms in the house are pretty close. So if I set like an old school alarm, which I used to try and set it across the room, you know, so I'm never hitting mm-hmm. snooze getting up. But now yeah. since all the kids rooms are closed, I don't want to wake everybody up. So I set it on my watch, but then I set my backup alarm on my phone. And so my alarm goes off at 5.30, alarm on my phone goes off at 5.33, so I have three minutes to get up. So if I if I hit snooze on my watch, then I know I'm waking somebody else off because it's got a song playing on it. And so that's that's why I leave it out there too, which has been very helpful. So Nice. You ever heard of that uh, <laughs> the one alarm clock that it's got like wheels and it runs away from you? Runs away. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I used to use one. I used to use one, which is pretty cool. Um, you, I think it's an app. I can't remember the name of it, but you took like a picture of something. So say you took a picture of like, of like your fridge or something in order to turn the alarm off, you had to take the phone to the fridge and take a picture of it and I had to verify it. So I was like, I used that one for a little, that one didn't last too long for me, but I think the fear of waking all the kids up early has, has worked well for me. So, but still it shows the whole idea of like, it's not a generalizable thing here. It's a trial and error process, right? So you're, right. you're trying out different things, seeing if it works well for you. If it works well, yeah. you keep it. If you don't, exactly. if you like it works well, then yep. just get rid of it. Obviously, yep. give it a fair chance first. got to give it actually yeah, yeah, yeah. more than one try probably. But right. <laughs> maybe try it for a week or two at least to see <laughs> no, if this works well or if this doesn't work well. And then yeah. that's how you kind of trial and error your way through these things and find your process that works for you. Yep. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know, I know we got, we got to run here soon. Um, before, before we go though, I, uh, wh- where can everybody find you? Um, I know, I know you're kind of new to, um, the, uh, the social media game there, but I, I want to make sure everybody kind of gets a chance. Uh, everybody kind of gets a chance to follow you on social media. So if you want to uh, kind of tell us, um, where we can find you best online, uh, or if somebody is locally and they can meet up with you, um, I'll also put all that information in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, so obviously you'd have to be in the, the DC area. If you wanted to train with me locally, I, I trained through the body mass Arlington location, body mass gym as well as the DC location, which is kind of more on the, the top portion of DC. DC is actually pretty small. It's only like, like 10 miles across. So um, even just Northern Virginia, Arlington area is probably just as big as the, the entirety of DC. So, but their website is just, uh, I think it's just bodymassgym.com. Let me double check here. I've got it right in my, my pull-up window here. So yeah, so bodymassgym.com. You actually, I forgot. We just took new photos, so you see me all over the, we're all over the web page too. So nice, nice. I was uh, in not uh, involved with like all of our new pictures, and we were staging some some photos of training people. So um, inquiries there if you needed to to find me there. If you want to interact with me on social media, I don't again put out a whole lot of my own content right now, but I always try to to cater a, a couple things, some some good entertainment and some uh, some good information from other people until I have some of my own stuff. So um, certainly I always am watching your, your social media too. So if you're interacting with Anthony, I will uh, probably see your comments. So I'll try to try to like some of you guys' comments if you 
are interacting with him. So my social media though is coach underscore cross it, like my last name, C-R-O-S-S-E-T-T. So two S's, two T's. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate appreciate you uh, coming on today. I know uh, you got a you got a pretty busy schedule, and you're running uh, back to another seminar after this. Yeah. And so, uh, pre- appreciate you coming on. Kettlebells, awesome, yeah. awesome. That's a great. Yeah, uh, yeah I think I think uh, kettlebells are something too. We could do like a whole podcast on that kind of versatility. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty new. Again, to to show you that we don't know everything, I am very new to kettlebells. I'm I'm learning yeah. today. I'm trying something new. I know a couple awesome. quick little easy things to use kettlebells with, but yeah. I'm I'm learning today. I'm I'm the newbie today. All so, right. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always fun to talk with you, and uh, I look forward to interacting with you, especially on Instagram in the, the near future here. Awesome, man. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Of course. Have a good uh, rest of your day. That concludes this episode of the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. Thank you for those of you who took time out of your busy schedules to listen. If you have any questions or comments or an idea for a topic for a future episode, please feel free to reach out and I'd love to hear from you.